Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me on today's podcast, The Word Podcast. Uh, all we do, if you've been with us for a while, you know, is we just read the Word of God and comment here and there on it. You sort of reflect upon it. We're in the Gospel of John right now in the seventh chapter. And we saw in the last episode, we're going to pick up just real quick and recap that, where Jesus had stood up. This is verse 37 of chapter 7. On the last day of the great feast, this is the last great day of the last great feast of the year, and he cried out, and here's what Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John provides this understanding in verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then John picks up in verse 40 the narrative, and he says this, Some of the people, therefore, because Jesus had said these things, because of all the stuff he'd said, all the things that he had done, some of the people were saying this. When they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Verse 41, Others were saying, this is the Christ. And so there was anticipation of the prophet that would come before the Lord Jesus Christ, Elijah. And then there was anticipation that the Christ himself was coming. So some were saying he's one. Some were saying he's the other. We continue verse 41. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? <laughs> so you see that they didn't know where Jesus was from. They knew he was from Galilee. You know, he'd come from Galilee. But they did not know that he had been born from the descendant of David. We're about to see that in the next verse because they knew that Messiah would be a descendant of David. They did not know that Jesus had fulfilled more than 330 prophecies that foretold of his coming the first time. Now, a lot of these things were fulfillment that were outside of, quote, unquote, his hands, you know, uh, the fact that he was born. But that really wasn't outside his hands because he agreed to do it, right? But we won't get into that right now. All they knew was that he was from Galilee. They did not know that he had been born in Bethlehem as prophesied. They did not know that he came out of Egypt as had been prophesied. They did not know that he would be called a Nazarene as was prophesied, right? They simply didn't know this. So based upon what they knew, they were saying, wait a minute, Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Then verse 42, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem? the village where David was. So they knew this truth about Messiah. They just didn't know that Jesus was born there. Now, what's interesting about this is in several places in the gospel, people are saying things like this, and Jesus could have corrected them. He could have said, oh, no, no, here, here's my birth certificate right here. You know, No, I, I was born in Bethlehem, Judea. Okay, He could have said these things, but he didn't. Well, why didn't he say and do some of these things? Well, it's simply because what we've seen already and what we're going to learn even more later on he only said the things the Father told him to say. He only did the things the Father told him to do. So they're debating these things. Verse 43 tells us, So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Well, there's nothing new. Even today, there's division 
in the crowd because of Jesus. Okay, division in the crowd. The crowd, those being the unbelievers. Okay, there's actually division among true believers because of Jesus. But here is among the crowd, among those who didn't believe, they didn't know what to do. Some, verse 44 said, some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. So some wanted to grab a hold of him. Remember earlier in some accounts where we saw, uh, after I think it was after Jesus fed the 5,000, that they wanted to seize him and make him king? Might have been another time, but they, they wanted to seize him and do that. Now they're wanting to seize him because of who he's proclaiming to be. And we know that there's already a group of officers on the way to arrest Jesus. Remember, they were from the Jewish leadership. They're, they're on the way there right now. Watch verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and then the chief priests and Pharisees said to the officers, uh, why did you not bring him? So these officers had gone in, they went to arrest Jesus. All this is going on. There's debate happening. Some wanted to seize him. I suspect that's the officers with some other folks, okay? And now they've returned, but they don't have Jesus. And the uh, Pharisees said, why did you not bring him? Verse 46, this is one of the most profound statements in Scripture. The officers, these are the ones that were sent to arrest him. The officers answered, and they're answering the ones that have sent him. Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Can you imagine? They're sitting there saying, you know, well, we went to arrest him. And we got there and we started listening to him. And uh, you've never heard anybody talk like that. You've never heard, heard anybody speak like that. And they were so impacted by it that not only did they refuse to do what they had been mandated to do, go and arrest him, but they came back rather boldly without him and answered the question and reported Hey, you just never heard anybody speak like this. <laughs> Can you imagine returning uh, to your boss that way, returning to those who have authority over you and reporting that? It really gives us some insight to the power of the word, uh, even am among those who didn't believe because they're listening, folks. They're paying attention. Now, verse 47, the Pharisees then answered them. This is the officers. You have not been led astray, have you? So what does a religionist always do? They always start belittling. Okay? They always start talking down. And quite often, it's with a big smile on their face. Okay, But they'll start belittling. Go, oh, you haven't bought into that too, have you? You haven't done that. You don't believe that also, do you? Boy, this is rampant within the organizational church today, folks. This attitude, this response. So the Pharisee says, you haven't been led astray, have you? But they're a little irritated. How do I know? Well, watch what they say. Verse 48. No one of the rulers, the Pharisees, has believed in him, has he? Well, that's sort of a loaded question because the rulers and the Pharisees, they're saying none of us have believed him. I think there's some that have already started believing, Nicodemus. Okay, I think he was already believing. I think there were many, many more that were already believing but were fearful of saying anything. But then watch what these religionists do. And, folks, this is what happens. And, you know, I see it. I hear it. I have uh, opportunity to gather from time to time with those that are in, a, uh, uh, we'll just say, pastoral positions within churches. I don't even like using the terminology because we've so perverted so many things like it. But with, with groups of people that are church leaders, and if you could hear how they talk down about the people they supposedly lead, about the people they supposedly are feeding the Word of God, 
I mean, you nearly want to reach out and slap some folks. I'm serious. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. And it's this attitude right here. So let me back up 47 again and read through 49 and listen what they do. The Pharisees then answered the officials, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? The last verse. But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. They're simply just blowing it off, saying, oh, yeah, you bought into this thing. You think he talks real good and all this. Are you kidding me? None of us as rulers have believed in him, have we? The crowd, the masses right here, they don't know the law. They're all accursed. It is the responsibility of these leaders right here to teach them the law, to raise them up in the law. And what's their attitude? They're not one of us. They don't know the law. They're a curse. There's no reason to believe them. There's no reason to give any heed to anything they say. They are just fools that are being hoodwinked by somebody. Tell you what, folks, that attitude right there, that <laughs> pharisaical attitude, okay, that right there is so prevalent within an organizational church, you would not believe it. That's the reason that quite often people will, will go and will share a concern and say, hey, this is what the scripture says, but this is what you said. And all of a sudden they just have this explosion in their face of piosity all over them because of this attitude right here. Okay, well, my time's run out. We'll pick up on this later, okay? In the meanwhile, go back and read chapter 7 of John. And then just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, show me your truth right here. He will. I'll see you again next time.